Amen. Amen. We've been uh, looking here at the church about uh, spiritual eyes, we've called our series, and it's been uh, really based on this one verse of Scripture from Ephesians 6.12. Paul says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the authorities and rulers, against the authorities, sorry, against the rulers, authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And we've been saying, well, what does that really mean? Like we know about the challenges that we all face in life, right? But what, what's he going to... I thought heaven was supposed to be where God resided and it was all sweetness and light. But Paul says here about the spiritual forces of evil that are in those heavenly realms. What's going on? And as we've unpacked, so we started in Genesis and we've been working our way through the scriptures trying to figure out really what's going on. And the Bible talks about two realms in the Bible, in, in, the, in, in life. There's the spiritual realm and the physical realm. And in the spiritual realm, the, the Hebrew word for all those that reside in the spiritual realm is Elohim. So God is Elohim. Angels are Elohim. Demons are Elohim. Even people will they die when their spirit rises. That's called Elohim as well. So there's the spiritual realm of the Elohim. And then there's the physical realm of humanity. And God designed it so that Eden, which is the picture we see right at the very start, was where those two realms were supposed to come together, right? So you see Adam and Eve walking in the cool of the night. You see God walking with them and so on. You see the two realms coming together. And in the Bible, it's called one of the council rooms. And there's a number where these realms meet. And where God sits in a, in a sense like a jury, he sits as the judge and he gives the orders and this is what I want you to do, he says, to both the physical and the spiritual realms. And he gave us this order. He said, go, Genesis 1:28, bless them and said, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky over every living creature that moves on the ground. Really what God wants us to do is to take that picture of Eden where the spiritual and the physical meet, and to take that across the world. That's our role as humanity. God wanted the whole earth to be a place where the earthly, physical, and the spiritual realms meet, where humanity can enjoy the spiritual, the divine, and the divine and the spiritual can enjoy earth and humanity. That's God's plan. Plan A, we called it. The problem was that God gave that plan, and he said, I want you, as we said, to be my image. Go, go and do that in the world. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that's what your role is. In fact, if you are alive, that's what your role is. When you stand before God, he's not going to ask how good you've been, how many times you've been to church. He said, have you fulfilled that role? Have you gone out and helped spiritual and physical to meet wherever you are? That's his plan. That's why we're here, right? All of us. Be my image. The problem was that both in the physical realm and in the spiritual realm, they didn't like it. In the spiritual realm, it talks about it in Ezekiel and in Isaiah, that, that some of the spiritual realm wanted the seat of God. They weren't satisfied with sitting here. They wanted to go up here and sit where God sits, in the big chair. And God said, that's my chair. That's not your chair. You can't have that. And he threw them out. He said, you can't, you can't be with me with that kind of pride. 
And we know in the physical realm, we get the story of the apple, right? It's not about eating apples. Apples are good for you. But it's about us saying, God, we don't want to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. Thanks very much. Great idea, but no thanks. We're going to do it our way, and we're going to do what we want to do. And so we ignored plan A of God, and we decided to make our own plan up. And he said, you do that, there are consequences. You're kicked out of the garden. You can't, you can't be with me. You can't stay with me because, well, we call it sin, because of brokenness, because of mess. And then what happened was that in the spiritual and the physical, we always do what we always do, right? When, when you mess up, when you mess up, what do you try and do? You don't apologize first. What do you do? You're human. You try and fix it yourself, don't you? When I mess up, first thing I try and do is fix it before my wife gets home. Right? Happens all the time. You kind of go, no, oh, should have done, shouldn't have done that. Ooh, ooh. Right, let me, let me try and fix it. Friend of mine, right? He was, he was supposed to look after his three kids. His wife went out for the evening. There was a, there was a ball game on. He's, he's a Canadian, right? Baseball game on. So he's sitting there watching the baseball game, getting into the baseball game. Two of his kids are playing in front of him. He's going, that's all right. And then he suddenly thinks, where's the youngest gone? He, he, panic sets in. He finds his youngest with a permanent marker pen going around the walls like this. Went around twice, not just once. Having a whale of a time. He thought they were really quiet. What did he try and do? Forget the ball game. I've got to get paint out, Right? Starts redecorating the basement, right? Not a chance before his wife gets back. Is he going to cover over black permanent marker pen on white walls? It's not going to happen. Gets found out. But he tries, right? And we try. And the spiritual realm try. And in Genesis 6, it talks about the spiritual realm. What it does is instead of, instead of doing God's way, it says, no, we're going to go our way and we're going to we're going to imitate it. So it talks about these fallen spiritual beings having relationships with earthly women and forming their own race, which the Bible calls the Nephilim. It's where, you know, in Greek mythology, you get like Hercules and people like that with big, you know, be bold, be strong, and they like rip, right? That's the kind of people that you see in the scriptures. They try and fix it themselves rather than apologizing glad you said that though that's good best way but actually they try and fit and what do we do we try to fix it ourselves as well god said go across the world be fruitful multiply go everywhere and we go in genesis 11 what happens we go nah we kind of like it here we don't want to move and so they build this city called babel and in the middle of it they build this tower that goes up and they said we'll have god come down where we are we're not going to go to where God is. He can come to us. And they build a tower. And God says, that's not going to happen either. So in Genesis 6, straight after the spiritual rebellion, he sends a flood. And after the physical rebellion, what happens? He confuses the languages. So they're forced to go to the ends of the earth. I'm just running through this really quick. We kind of... Then God sets up plan B. He says, okay, if you want to rebel against me, I'll let you. Because here's, 
His love demands that he allows us the freedom to choose. You can't force someone to love you. You can't force someone to, well, you can force someone to obey you. But he says, I don't want your obedience. I want your love. You can't force anybody to love it. You can love them. But if they choose not to love you, they walk away, right? And God said, I love you so much, creation, the world, humanity. But if you choose to go your own way, I'll have to let you go. And he did that in the physical and the spiritual. And then what he did was in Deuteronomy 32, it says that he allowed the, the spiritual realm to go all over the earth. But he said, there'll be one nation that is mine. This is plan B. He said, and that's Israel. You can, you can rule the rest of it. You can set yourselves up as gods across the rest of the world if that's what you want to do. You wanted to have my seat, you can have my seat. But not in Israel. Israel is mine. I will create for myself a people. And then in Deuteronomy 28, he says, if they follow me, everybody will look. This is what we should be doing. Everybody should be looking at Israel. And he made these promises. He said, I'm going to send rain when you want rain. I'm going to send you know, sunshine when you want sunshine. Your crops are going to be better than anybody else's. You're going to lend to thousands but owe money to nobody. I'm going to bless you with such an a blessing that everybody will look at you and go, how come you are so favored? That's what Israel's supposed to be, right? He said, I'll protect you. No one will be able to stand against you. I will look after you. I will, you will be my, and so in other words, you're going to be like a light in the darkness, spiritual darkness of the whole world that everybody will look at you and go like, wow, what have they got that we haven't got? How come they're so favored and we're not? Do you ever do that with people? How come their house is bigger than the thing I'm saying? How come they got it? How come, how come, right? And we're supposed to look at Israel and go, how come that their God must be the real God because the gods that we're following and we're struggling. So maybe we should follow that God instead of the one we're following. That's what God did. Plan B, he set up Israel. Problem was, Israel didn't do very well either, did they? And so plan C comes along that we looked at last week really briefly, Pentecost. He said, I'm going to change it again because Israel messed up. So I sent them into exile and then they repented and came back and then they still messed up. And they weren't the people, they didn't follow what I asked them to do. So they're not going to be a light to show anybody anything. So this world is in spiritual darkness because there are no lights to follow. There's no examples to follow. So he said, I'm going to send my, my spirit, myself, and then my spirit, so there'll be plan C. And we looked at that last week with glow sticks. So everybody, the whole world, this is like the world at night with all the lights. But it's like, I'm going to have a light everywhere. Every believer. Zion now is, is one of those lights. That's what baptism is, right? You start to be a light. That's why he's dressed in white, right? And as he grows up, he'll become more of a light, and as we follow Christ, we become that light in the dark spiritual places around us. And he said, that's why Jesus said, let your light shine. We reminded ourselves so that other people can see the light in you. And I'm going to send my light everywhere. And so the enemy, the fallen spiritual power, Satan, it was a nightmare, as we said last week. Because instead of just having to suppress one nation, now he has to suppress all these lights for spiritual darkness. That's where we got up to. That's really brief, right? You can look at all the, the messages online. Now, the thing is, plan A, B, and C, 
I kind of said it like that, but it's not true. I know I'm supposed to tell you the truth in church, but there was never a plan B and a plan C. I said it like that because it's easier for us to understand it as we were going along. But the truth is, and what I want to tell you today, that there's only ever been a plan A. Plan B and plan C are not different plans. They're part of plan A. And I'll explain to you why today. God never changed his plan. He said, I want Eden to be everywhere. Now, God is so far above that God, you know, he doesn't have to change plans. But we'll come on to that. Now, the problem was that for Eden to work everywhere, you need two things. You need a humanity that's not going to fail, for starters. You need a humanity that will actually go and do what God told us to do, right? Because if we don't do it, then there is no plan A. If we don't go and do what we're supposed to do, if we don't go and, and bring the spiritual and the physical together, wherever we are, then it doesn't work. And we all know that we mess up. And that's where the problem comes in, right? Because somehow God needed to raise a future humanity that would actually be obedient to what he's asked us to do. And secondly, the other problem is that he has to provide a way back for those of us who mess up. Because as soon as we mess up, we're thrown out the garden, and then what use are we? We can't do the job that he wants us to do. So what did God do? God needs humanity to fulfill his purpose, but how, how do we do it? Well, we kind of know the answer to that, I hope. How the spiritual and the physical meet together. God needed someone who would resist temptation so he wouldn't have to apologize and come back. Who would be obedient, who would be always loyal to that plan of being the image of God and who could reverse the consequences of the separation. All right, can, can you come up? Because you're just awesome, right? And you're sitting near the front. And that means you've got to put the camera down. That's, that's good, right? So you're God, right? All right? No, no, no pressure here, but you're God, right? Okay, I need to, can you come up? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, right? So, you're with God, right? And here's the problem. So you're with God, this is Eden, right? So you've got God and humanity. You're a man, right? You're God. That's why you're bigger. Yeah? Good, right? Now the problem is humanity, we like to go our own way and do our own thing, right? God says, this is the way I want you to go. But we kind of go, nah, I mean, that way looks nice and all that, but I want to go that way, right? You want to go that way, yeah? So we go that way. And the problem is when we go this way and God wants us to go this way, we become separated. That's what death is called in the Bible, a separation from God, right? And God said, no, but I only have one direction and my direction is this way. And you've gone that way. And the difficulty is when we go this way is that we have no way to get back to God to go that way. 
right? It's what we call sin. It, it gets in the way. It breaks us. It's like Adam and Eve. They got thrown out of the garden, and God said, I'm going to send my cherubim and my seraphim, my, my angels, to stop you getting back. You can't come back. You can't go, oops, I messed up. Sorry, I'm coming back. And so there's a problem. So he's lost over here, right? So what did God do? Come on, man. You knew it was coming. You knew it was coming. Yeah, yeah. God said, I need someone. Man, you're a big guy. Whew. Come, come this way. You should be God, man. But in some ways you are. Right? This is Jesus. Jesus was a big guy. Right? Man, I bet when you do be bold, be strong, those, those muscles are yours. Whew. Right. Right. So this is Jesus. So God said, how can I get these people to be going this way? Right? They're stuck over here. The only way to do it was to send a man who would be obedient, who would resist, who could go this way to form a pathway to bring people back, right? It's the only way you can do it. So God looked around humanity and go, is there anybody that, that will be that strong, right? He needs to be, be able to resist all temptation. Because as soon as he sins, as soon as he messes up, as soon as he eats of the apple, what's going to happen? He's going to just end up stuck over here with, the, with humanity, right? No good. So he has to live a perfect life. Toilets is straight down there on the left through that door. No problem. Right? So he has to resist temptation. He has to be obedient to the plan of God. But he has to be able to go and rescue humanity for us. So what did Jesus do? Jesus basically, he went over this way, right? And he went and he met with humanity, right? Philippians said, didn't, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, right? He came down as a baby. He, he lived our life. He came over here so he could rescue us. Now, no much good if Jesus stays over here either, is it? He needs to bring humanity back over there. Now, Romans 6.23, wages of sin is death. Death means separation from God. So Jesus had to die to be separated from God. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He said on the cross, right? So that all of us who are stuck over here have the potential to get back. Now, he can only get back if what? He rises to life again in his own power. Who has the power here to raise themselves from the dead? Right? None of us. We die, we die. But God, through Jesus Christ, that's why he's so big. Right? He has the power. So he died with us so that he could come to where we are, separated from God, so that he could then take us back over to God. Exactly. Right? See what I'm saying? Brilliant. Right? Round of applause.
Now, do you see the smile on God's face? Right? When, when humanity came back. That's why Jesus came, right? That's why we sing about the cross and everything else, right? Because it, this is the only way that we can do it. It's through Jesus Christ taking us back. And the reality is that unless we know Jesus, that's, that's why baptism is so important, right? Baptism is a, an external sign of that inward change. Is that sign that we are coming back to God, that we are being cleansed, that we're being washed, that we're coming back into God's presence. And then when we get back into God's presence, what happens? God says, now, I want you to go that way. Not that way. Yeah, go on. And then you can go sit down, right? And look at them. They're both really happy. Right? That's how it works. Thank you so much, Father and Son. Thank you. It's just easier to see it, right? Like that. You won't forget that. I won't forget that. That's why Jesus had to come. There was no other way, right? That's why. Now, here's the thing. Here's the problem that God had. If the plan had been understood by, the, by Satan, by the fallen Elohim, they would never have killed Jesus, would they? Right? The plan required Jesus dying on a cross. Who killed Jesus? Well, Satan came into Judas's heart, betrayed him, caused humanity to say crucify. Now, if Satan knew that this was the plan, he wouldn't have had Jesus killed, right? Because without the death of Jesus Christ, Jesus couldn't kill himself. That would be sin. That wouldn't be obedience. We had to kill him. The fallen, the spiritual rebellious people, like the, the rebellious people in the spirit or the spirit, Elohim in the spiritual realm, and the rebellious humanity had to kill Jesus for it to work. But if they figured that Jesus needed to die, they wouldn't have killed him, right? They would have just left him alone, and then there was no way back for us because he wouldn't have come over here, right? You follow me? So God had to come up with a plan that was so clever that even the fallen spirits wouldn't understand it, and neither would we. That's where plan B comes in. You see, they knew who Jesus was, right? The Elohim, the fallen Elohim, the demons and so on, knew who Jesus was. Look at this, Matthew 8. There's loads of verses like this in the Gospels. But when he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men came out from the tombs to meet him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God, they shouted, if you come here to torture us before the appointed time? They knew who he was. They knew that it was God's son. They knew that he had been sent by God to do something. They just didn't know what that something was. They said, uh, you coming here to torture us? Are you coming here to sort us out? What are, you, what are you here for? Jesus didn't say. He just got rid of them. 
It says here, they left that place and passed through Galilee. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because he was teaching his disciples. He said, the Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him, and after three days he will rise. But it says in Mark 9, but they did not understand what he meant and were afraid to ask him about it. You see, humanity didn't understand in the spiritual realm, didn't understand what was going on. Because if we had, he wouldn't have died. And if he wouldn't have died, if he didn't die, there was no way back for us. Right? So what, what, how did Jesus, how did God hide it? Well, they thought that he was coming for plan B. Plan B was restoration of Israel, a light, right? They thought that he was coming to restore Israel so that Israel would be that nation again, which would shine a light so that everybody would see it and go, hey, we want to follow Yahweh, that kind of God. That's why plan B, which is not really plan B, it's still part of plan A, right? But that's why it's so important. It was the only way, it was kind of like a, a misdirection. It's the only way that Jesus could do it so that people would not understand. Only after the resurrection, when he meets with them again, he says he opens their minds so they could understand the scriptures. Do you understand? So there's this massive kind of, I don't know what to call it. It's like a delusion. It's like a misdirection that God has to do for us and the fallen Elohim. I mean, he doesn't deliberately, he kind of tries, he has to hide it so that they will kill Jesus. We will kill Jesus so he can bring, continue plan A. So Eden can come. Next time when I'm back, we will talk about how he does that. But today I want you to just understand this. Paul says it most brilliantly in 1 Corinthians 2. He says this, We do not, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. We do, however, sorry, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. So he's saying, nothing changed. Eden is still the project. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. What we have received is not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. That's what we prayed for, for Zion, right? We said, Lord, Spirit of God, fall on him right now. Come upon him in his life so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. 
The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but is a person, such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. When Christ came over here and brought us back, when we become a believer in Jesus Christ, we have received the mind, we've received the understanding that Christ has. When we come back over here, almost going to get you up again, but I won't, right? And set off this way. He says, now I'm going to give you my spirit and my mind. You understand my things. You're going to walk in my way. And that's, that's what God does for each one of us. So what? Well, first, I think we need to understand that the fallen Elohim, the gods of this world are limited, right? So often I hear of people thinking like the yin-yang thing, that it's all in a balance and it depends. It's not. God is so much higher than anything, anyone, any being. It is not a fair fight. It is not a 50-50. The fallen Elohim, the spiritual realm, Satan, the devil, whoever, however you want to say it, does not understand, does not have the knowledge that God has, does not have the power that God has, cannot do the things that God does, and cannot change the plans that God has, right? God is God, and there are no others. He is the one. And sometimes I think in our lives, we, we raise these fallen Elohim, we raise the devil's status higher than it really is. He doesn't even understand the plan of God. God, in a sense, if you want to put it in these ways, kind of manipulated him to enable Jesus to die so that God's plan A would be fulfilled. He doesn't get it. He doesn't understand it. He is limited. Colossians says he's chained. He's, he's kind of broken, if you like. And we mustn't give the fallen Elohim a higher status or a higher credit than is due to them. Powerful, maybe, but they are nothing compared to Christ and to our Heavenly Father and the Spirit of God. They're limited. Secondly, God's plan can and will never, ever be thwarted. I hear people worrying about nuclear war and all this kind of thing with Putin and why happens if he drops the bombs and all this kind of thing. I said to people, you know, it's not in Scripture, so it ain't going to happen. Don't worry about it. It's not going to happen because Christ said, I'm not going to allow the world to go into oblivion. I'm going to return first. If you read Revelation, it says, you know, you'll, you'll hear wars and rumors of wars. You'll see famines. You'll see earthquakes. And you'll see this, that, and the other. Yes, you're going to see suffering in the world. But I will not allow certain things to happen, right? He said, I'm going to return at the right moment, and he knows it all. He knows the beginning and the end. He is the Alpha and the Omega, which is on that, the, the candle that I gave to you. He is the beginning and the end, and he's outside of it all and sees it all, and his plan is the plan that comes to fruition. So nothing can thwart, never will thwart the plan of God. 
That's why God doesn't have a plan B and C because he doesn't need one because he says plan A is my plan and that's what I'm going for and that's what's going to happen. I don't need any backup plans because when I say something's going to happen, it's going to happen. End of story. There is no alternatives. God's plan will come to pass. It always does and always will. But the amazing thing as believers is that we get to be part of his plan. God could do it without us. He says, I don't need you guys. Who are we anyway, right? We mess up, we do this, we do that. We go over here so often, and then Jesus has to come and bring us all the way back again and go, oh yeah, the plan's down this way, huh? right? You know, and then we go back over this way again because we like it over here, and then Jesus comes and, okay, yeah, sorry, yeah, back again, and then I start off this way again, right? But God says, you know what? I want to do it for you guys. My plan was always that I use the spiritual realm and the physical realm that I work through both of them to fulfill what I want to fulfill. I want to fulfill it through you guys. And we get to be part. How awesome is that, right? Do we get to be part of this amazing plan of God? He doesn't have to, but he chooses to. And he says, the, the way you do it is just love me. You just love me, right? Love me. Open yourself up to me. Come over here. I'll tell you what to do. I'll tell you where to go. I'll tell you how to do it. I'll give you the strength to do it through my Holy Spirit so it won't be a failure. You'll be successful. Just follow my plan and bring heaven and earth together. Bring spirit and physical humanity into the same sphere that you go. We say it like this. I need the Father and the Son together. Come up here. We've done this before in Trinity. Sorry, I lied to you. I'm, I'm a fallen human being. I do need you. Naomi, you have to come up as well because you're laughing too much. You're just gloating. Father, hold hands with the Son. Son with the Holy Spirit. You're the Spirit of God, Right? Trinity. Hold hands. That's the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit. Perfect harmony, unity together, right? What did Jesus say? Okay. Uh, okay. Come on. Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. Right? Connect right there. One hand. No, 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 no. You're not part of the Trinity. You're not that, you're not that perfect. Trinity can't be broken, but you can connect with the Trinity, right? That's where sin came in, where we had delusions that we could become part of it, right? <laughs> You're not part of it, but you connect. He said, love the Lord your God, right? Father, Son, and Spirit with all your heart, soul, strength, and just love him. And then he said, part two, what was part two? Love your neighbor as yourself. Come on. You're the neighbor. Okay? So you connect to the neighbor. Right? Okay, stretch out this way a little bit so everybody can see. That's what it means to be a believer in Jesus Christ. That's it. That you connect to God because you love God. And the more you love God, the bigger this connection will be, right? Here. And then you love your neighbor. See, the neighbor might not know God, might not understand God. Might, might not know how to pray, might not know how to connect, but if you do, 
What can you do? You're just a channel. So God's so you lift the prayer, right? And the and God says, Yeah. And then he pours that power and that, that answer that prayer through you and you receive the answer. That's what it is to be a believer in Jesus Christ. That's it. Love the Lord your God. Love your neighbor. And just be like a link person. That's a disciple of Jesus Christ right there. He said, you be the link. You might not know how to connect. And if you do, then you be a link to someone else, right? Just keep linking in so that God can flow through you his presence. What did Jesus do? When Jesus was on earth, still gets complicated, but when Jesus was on earth, people came up and touched him or he touched them and they received their healing and their wholeness and everything else. He was just linking. He said, oh, power's gone out of me, right? To the woman with the bleeding. Because the power comes from here, not here, right? You don't have power. You have the power. Trinity, God has the power and he just wants to use us to flow it in to other people. That is a disciple, that is a believer of Jesus Christ. That is what it means to be part of God's plan. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for our Trinity. <laughs> we want to thank you that you are Father, Son, and Spirit. We want to thank you that you enable us to be part of your plan. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it even. We can just love you. And when we love you and we release ourselves to you, you link us in here. And you say, hey, connect with me, and I'll connect with you. And then you tell us to love our neighbor, the people around us, people that are struggling, and maybe they don't know you, but we know you, and so we can be that channel of, of your presence into their lives. When we pray for them, we can, we can touch them, and they receive healing that doesn't come from us, but comes from you through us into them. Or they can bring transformation and change. Lord, that's what it means to be part of bringing heaven and earth together. May we love you and love our neighbor and so fulfill Eden, your plan A. Thank you for this message. May it speak to us and continue to speak to us this week as we go out and be your disciples. In the name of Christ, amen. Thank you so much.